0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Crash Chords podcast of 2015. Yay. Yay. I, of course, am Matt. It's been a I'm John. I'm Steve. Um, we are hitting the ground running this year. John has a great pick for us. But before we get to that, there's some stuff I want to go over just um, in reference to the year in review and then some stuff I want to promote. Um, when we were talking about against me, we were using incorrect pronouns. Um, we were referring to the lead singer as a he when the lead singer actually is a she refers to themselves as she, her, and we try not to do that. Obviously, we have an understanding of the trans community, and we're not trying to step on toes. It was an honest mistake. No offense was meant,
1: but I wanted to bring that up because our devoted Twitter fan, Heather, had mentioned, and she's right. um, Interesting, too, considering we made painstaking efforts to do that in the actual episode we reviewed said album.
0: Yeah, so that was a slip-up, but we know that the lead singer of Against Me is a she, and we apologize for the error. Um, Also, I want to promote Nelson Lugo's Gathering the Magic is actually getting a full show run at the Tank Theater, which I'm very proud of him for, Um, and I want to just promote the dates he's performing in January and February. It's January 30th and 31st, February 6th, 7th, and 8th, and then February 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. Is that the Tank Theater in Manhattan? Probably not. All right. And uh, I'm really excited about that. He's also working on a new show that will come out later this year, so keep an eye out for that. Um, also in just usual bumps and promotions, the Wasties are playing. They play the third Thursday of every month. This month, it's January 15th. Come on out to the Waste Station and see the Wasties. Um, they've got some good stuff planned for that show. Finally, the thing I want to bring up that Steve teased in our year in review is our new writer, Tony. Me? Tease? I would never. Not you. Uh, sh- um, sh- sh- Tony's first article is up. He's our brand new writer and part of the t- the Crash Courts team. It's titled, Talking Points, Blue, by Mostly Other People Do the Killing. And then his subtitle, Jazz Crime, Worthy Tribute, or Neither. Um, It's an interesting take on this album review, as well as a comment on jazz
1: in general. And it's a fascinating article. I quite enjoyed it. I learned a lot from it because I'm not very versed in jazz. In many ways, I find it fascinating because it's a comment on a comment. Comment on commentary that is circulating around whether that jazz is, as he says, a crime or or a tribute, as it were. Because there's lots of angry people in the world, and they like to say their opinions. Are you saying and there's angry ang- people on the internet? On the internet, never, never, no, never, never. It blew my mind when I heard it. Um, uh, but I'm, he, I'm... he sources his material, which I was quite appreciative of. So you can read uh, all the the comment threads under Miles Davis's nephew. There's a Facebook thread in which people were were very quick to uh, support the Miles Davis side of things and flat out call this, this album a travesty and, and a... A clone, as it were. But it's an interesting thing. Copy, not a clone. And I find that fascinating. If there's a line there, I want to know more about it. Yep.
0: Um, that'll probably be the previous post to this post for this app episode. So go check it out. Also, you'll notice at the bottom of the podcast posts, we have our iTunes link. It's now at the top of the page under where you can find the podcast on the tabs, as well as in each post. So feel free to click on through to iTunes, subscribe, give us a rating and review. Um,
2: Going forward, that will be available in every post. Plus, we made it easier for you guys to download it, so when you're on the grow, you can actually listen to us. So you're welcome, and thank you for listening. And today, I guess we're going to go right into the album review at this point. I found this album through a website that does a a cartoon, the Questionable Content. I love this webcomic. I love it. And as part of his year-end Tumblr thing, he always lists what sort of albums were his favorite of the year. And number two on his list was Aphex Twin. Aphex Twin has been an instrumental individual in the electronica community for quite some time. He got his start... I kid you not, eh, but at 11 years old. An engineer born and bred, this guy knows his computer stuff, and he was doing it from age of 9, 10, 11. He actually took a computer, the ZX81, and transformed it into a music-making machine. Now, the curious part is this machine had no ability to produce music. What he do- did was he actually altered some codes to create tones to a plug-in television when you hit certain codes. Wow. This guy saw music and saw engineering and put them together. He he sees them as like just linked, just one and the same when you get down to the bare bones of it. For that reason, he's been all across the board when it comes to electronica itself. Acid techno, ambient, ambient techno, IDM, though he doesn't really like intelligent dance music. He's had his hands dabbled into all sorts of really first generation techno pieces. He's also been the inspiration for a bunch of different artists, Uh, Linkin Park, Thomas from Daft Punk, Wes Borland from Limp Bizkit. These guys who have made, I guess, similar ideas, have infused electronica into their music they've all been on record saying, yeah, this guy has you know, influenced us. He's been making music since the early 90s, uh, in, in at least record format. So before then, he was still a DJ, still a mixer, and still producing a lot of his own work. But he hasn't made an album since 2001. It's been a very long hiatus. That's not to say he hasn't been active. He's released EPs and LPs in smaller scale. He's done a lot of mixing and remixing. And this album, Ciro, Is the child of seven years' labor? Eight years' labor, he's quoted as saying? Several tracks. Perhaps not all at once. Perhaps not the
1: album as a whole. But certain tracks, perhaps just being the way uh, many electronic musicians work, is in the way most of us would, let's say, update a, a file that we're writing on our computer. You leave it in a folder, and then after a while you take certain notes and you put them in other folders and they get little captions, and eventually you might fuse them together. So pieces... Of snippets of ideas that were in the making years ago may eventually come together later on it's impossible to know exactly how it went through but uh, he was quoted as saying six or seven years on on several of these tracks at least so it's a quite the monstrosity and it's funny because 2001 for, for a hiatus since 2001 I mean that's almost the entirety of this millennium that he was absent from the electronica community Aside from maybe a few side things that he did, I'm not entirely well, he sure. Well,
2: always, he's always been he sort released, of a mixer, DJ kind of person. He, he released he some things under a pseudonym, AFX, didn't he? Oh, don't while? even... He has more pseudonyms than he knows what to do with. He, yeah, so it's very
1: possible stuff. that he has been around. Uh, you can't exactly say that the that the electronica community has been evolving without him, but... Um, but it's interesting, because I hear certain elements of earlier electronica, of the kind of stuff you might find in the 80s or the 90s, but yet it's still always looking toward the future at the same time. Perhaps that's just the nature of electronica in many ways. So from that, we go into Ciro. First, a little note on the name. The name itself is what they call a neologism, meaning it's just applied by the person who originally coined it, in this case, that would be uh, his, his son, I believe. And that was just the... Name he blurted out. I think it was, I think it was actually a, a, a title quoted later on here uh, within one of these tracks. What was it? Ciribuncus. That's the one. Ciribuncus. Perhaps it was just blurted out by his kid while uh, he was listening to some of the earliest incarnations of of this album while it was in production. Uh, from there we have the actual album, but it's a nice little homage. So we begin with. And let's say something about the names here the track titles themselves are in many cases gibberish at least that's what they mean to us I would probably reference what I said earlier the fact that very often when you're putting together snippets of ideas there is a system behind the man who puts these things together and has names for them numbers for them some some personal dewey decimal system and that's what we're I'm I personally believe is, is what I'm led to uh, to take from these titles. For example, first track, mini pop 67 brackets 120.2 brackets source field mix. And that is only the tip of the iceberg as far as these track titles go. Stay tuned. Just to, to start off this track here, I want to hold off on tone. It seems like the likely place to go, but I think it'll just suffice at this juncture to call it electronica, which should tell you where you're at, but there's more to it. I instead want to start off with rhythm. This track is a fixed 4 four-time signature, as is the majority of, of his work, but there is a lot of internal decoration, as I would call it. You'd be hard-pressed to lose the rhythm because of the dominant brushing sound that's in the background. That kind of dominates this intro. It's got the, the brushing motion and the, the harsh cutoffs that you might expect from a beatbox, and it's generally working in, you know, 16th notes, just divvying up, up the measure by, by four, and these quick notes sort of popping off of each other with quite a bit of regularity, some minor variations... Um, as, let's say, pleasant but interesting cycles of what the measure would otherwise call for. You know, things that just kind of make it move along and not feel like it's a a continuous motif repeated for the sake of it. But now then, when the bass synth comes in right after this, and again following that when its echo, a much higher, tinnier synth, follows, the the start of, and I've frequently used this word before, a hemiola is apparent. I've described this before as a ratio of 3 to 2. Here it's presented as... A single note every three sixteenth notes, as you'd find four of them in a measure here. This is a pattern that would line up every three measures of four, except that he usually calls off that pattern in favor of something else. As for the higher synth note that follows, what I called an echo, I call it an echo because it, it begins the pattern on the second beat instead of the first beat, so you have this slightly offset nature here, which kind of comes across as an echo, and then it continues to do its own thing. Plus, that sound effect in itself is fed through an echo filter of its own. So immediately, I get the theme of pitter patter in the beginning of this album. This, if you could call that a theme at all, it's just a sensation of things bouncing off the walls. It's electronica, but in in a, in, a, in a looser sense, it's uh, it's It's
2: texture at its best. And this texture starts bleeding through in the evolution of the different uh, levels that he's working with, the different layers that he's working with. Because that bass orientation plucking also starts getting drawn out as far as the notes are concerned. They stop hitting just sharp edges and they start flowing a little bit more. But he doesn't allow any of his layers to really, I guess... Evolve too fast, evolve too far from where they started at, because this is an evolutionary track. It does go from from point A to point Z, while not very quickly, because it tends to be a little bit long. This is close to a five six minute song. It does flow in a very natural progression.
1: It's natural. It's also very subtle. There's there's moments where you might not 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 gauge exactly where one section begins and where another ends. Actually, that, that's that's overstating it. You know where it ends, but yet there's certain elements that carry over, and you're not exactly sure whether they've fundamentally transformed, or whether you're getting more of a gradual uh, evolution over the course of this track. Sometimes things could be passed off as just bald-faced departures.
0: The problem that I had had with this track, though, even though there is this, some semblance of evolution and cohesiveness, it gets a little disjointed by the vocalizer that they have in here. I really just don't like how it sounds. I feel like on this track, <laughs> the vocalizer didn't really mix well. So you have this pretty good mix of sounds, and the vocalizer just slapped on top of it. It's not in the mix. It's just put on top of it.
1: Yeah, the, the vocalizer, as I I, I, comprised, um, I compiled a list of oddball things in which he, he has in this track that could perhaps be called those, those bald-faced departures, and the vocalizer is certainly one of them. As far as I can discern, it's just speaking gibberish to the point of sounding sort of maddened, uh, definitely raving, like a raving lunatic almost uh, over, over the beat work. And the beat work, in many ways, could be seen as reflecting that. So, I mean, I'm not about to say it's... I'm not about to call that a departure just yet, but it's certainly not easy on the ear. And yeah. that's only, again, the tip of the iceberg as far as what's easy on the ear is considered. Uh, you're, <laughs> that's where I want to enter in with tone. I think this is a good time to do so. Um, because you're not exactly in in standard note frequencies here. At least not as far as I can discern. Just uh, poke around the piano. I don't really detect this in any any known key. It's a semitone. A semicolon tone is... is what you'd say between an A and an A sharp, for example. So as an electronic musician, this is all fair game because it's just as easy as a setting change. All he has to do is just, you know, turn one little knob and then all of a sudden, well, you're not on A, you're not on A sharp, you're somewhere in between, which makes it kind of a bits to jam to if you're actually trying to do that as a musician, but that's obviously not the point. Uh, To a pitch perfect uh, person, pitch perfect person i think they would find it certainly jarring and i think that we all sort of have uh the 12 tone system in our brains to a certain extent and this there is something about this track that sounds wonky and it's not just the inner transposition so i would bet that that's that's part of the reason we feel a little bit unsettled is because
2: we're somewhere in between with this piece but i don't consider that really a detractor either that or the vocal work uh the vocals were not so present as to become tiresome they were not so in your face for me to really see that as a major flaw maybe at times it felt a little jarring but honestly after my first listen through i was okay with it i was i was grooving along with it it was i was focusing more on the percussion level on the uh, the actual rhythm level in a second listen through not necessarily first but the second listen through that the through line with that rhythm section just keeps the piece together keeps it from falling apart and it makes me a lot more accepting of anything that he's throwing on top of Wait, it the piano wise. section no no the more rhythm orientation that he does in it
1: oh yeah uh, well i mean the rhythm the rhythm is going to tie together most of the tracks in this album i think because as i said that that usually is the staple that's the thing he holds pretty true throughout in many ways uh you could detect some bleed over that i think that's that is the binding factor of this album, if, if there were to be a theme, is uh, eh, just the, the rhythm pattern in general. I, I I don't know exactly where to place it. There are times where it sounds a little bit funkier than others. I wouldn't quite call it at that point yet, uh, this early. But um, I want to talk just a little bit about the back and forth between certain sections here, because there are moments where this gets particularly dissonant. Uh, I mentioned transpositions earlier on. If, let's say, you just accept for uh, for for shits and giggles that you are in A or A sharp or something like that. Let's say let's say you're in oh excuse me cuz we're in between. Let's let's say you're in G quarter sharp. That's that's your home. Then you can bet your bottom dollar that at some point you're going to be in B quarter sharp. And I mean on the drop of the hat. There are certain sections as I said that just seem like bald faced cutoffs. And this happens perhaps two-thirds of the way through this track. I can't pin it down exactly because you've already gone through several different stages. For one, I mentioned earlier on, uh, I-, I thought you would mention it, I made a mistake, that was the piano section, which is actually quite a light-hearted turn, where it seems like this is shifting away from, from uh, the dissonant tones that would really use a lot of those tritones, flat fives, f- uh, flat twos, things like that, and then all of a sudden it opens up. We breathe, and it seems as if we're in major. Uh, and that's where the piano enters. And it seems a lot airier at this moment until that harsh cutoff where all of a sudden we've transposed to an entirely unrelated key. And it's moments like that where I, I do question the goal of, of a piece like this and why I couldn't agree with you entirely in calling it a, a, a perfectly effortless uh, evolutionary piece.
0: It doesn't seem to evolve as clearly as you think it does, John, or to, to better phrase... I don't see that evolution as clearly as you do. For me, it's a bit of a little bizarre track that staggers around here and there. And while I'm not saying that the vocalizer is necessarily a negative to the track, it's a negative to me in my ears. I didn't really oh, enjoy I could, it. I wouldn't,
2: I wouldn't dispute something like that.
0: And, and also, I just feel like that bizarre dissonance that Steve is talking about, while it might not have been unnerving to you, I feel like it just it's what makes this track the entirety of it feel a little off.
1: Let's let's put it this way. If if again B quarter sharp is your home or something like that, then then let's just say home is not where the heart is in this piece. <laughs> home is a dark and scary place that you don't travel from, you transport from in several different instances to places that are sometimes darker, sometimes scarier, and sometimes in, in the case of the piano, the Twilight episode, where the town is just right, except for one little thing that you, that won't stop bothering you for the duration. Um, this is certainly not the kind of piece that that is a uh, like taking you down the rabbit hole necessarily, but it is. It starts you off on an awkward foot, and I um I want to. It made me recall a piece that we an album that we reviewed earlier on in episode fifty four called Boards of Canada's uh, Tomorrow's Harvest, only because of that album's persistent revisiting of those 70s and 80s electronica motifs, which seems to be as we stated earlier, uh, FX Twins uh, It seems to be his influence. It seems to be where a lot of electronica artists influence are. They want to go back to that because that is the dawn of electronica as an art form, as an entire genre. So you hear that in various different elements here. You hear it in, in like a droning muffled synth that stays in the background. That sounds very 80s. And when you combine that with some of the dissonant clashes, it made me recall uh, Tomorrow's Harvest. But at the same time, you also hear a much more arcade-esque soundbite solo, just smack dab in the middle of the piece. Um, and then you combine that with, with the piano, and it's it brings to light the fact that I think it's the form of this piece that, that is really where it suffers. It, it gives you a lot of everything. It's a nice, like, I guess, as an overture for this album. But it, it's hard to really find that home, uh, especially at the end. And this is, I think, <laughs> the, uh, the, the coup de grace, the, the bizarre vocal uh, vocal solo or just vocal insert. Yeah. near the end of the piece. I'm not talking about the vocalizer in the beginning, right. the crisp vocals that you hear at the end, which is just like someone, him, presumably, is sitting at his desk at, a, at the computer where he does his work, and a microphone happened to be nearby, and he was just humming along, and maybe the record button was on, so he just decided to remix it after the fact. What's so unnerving about this is not the fact that he remixes it, that's to be expected, but that the quality of the vo- voice itself is in such contrast to the vocalizer in the beginning where it's muffled here it's perfectly crisp it's the first sensation of anything uh purely acoustic on on this track everything else is is clouded in in distortion and filters so it's 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 a fascinating exposition but it's it's not yet alluring
0: yeah i I just wasn't quite sold on the first track i I didn't hate it by any means but I'm not saying that i did i just i was
2: looking for I don't know what the hell I was looking for, but this wasn't it. And I don't think we're gonna quite get it in the next track. Xmas underscore event ten, bracketed Thanaton three mix event ten, <laughs> event. I, event? I, I didn't, event. I didn't. I didn't, uh, I didn't I find know. an N. But there was no N. Uh, okay. And the, I in, don't the know. Brackets, Just verify in the
0: them. brackets there's an even one twenty, and then yeah, Thanaton three mix. So this one, I mean, this had more flow than the first track from from the get-go it felt a little more cohesive than the first one at least it should be noted though this is a 10 minute track yeah so i don't know i mean my biggest problem with this 10 minute monster and there are other monsters of almost equal size later is this one even though it had more cohesiveness and flow excuse me than the first track it still felt like it went on too long and i'm probably getting a little ahead of myself but i just on on a whole i felt like
2: I didn't know what he was going for here. I didn't know where his direction was headed. I think he ponders a little bit too much on the more sectional, like clear-cut sectional work of this song. Because between an A, B, C kind of a orientation that he's doing here, he's got some very distinct, almost freestyle points in the track. When he really, he, he's doing a, the the electronica version of a jazz solo or something mm-hmm. of that sort. It starts off as a very eerie introduction, and it does it does change from there. But the first part being three minutes long and not really changing too emotionally, you get that freestyle. The second part, hitting a mid-level, emotional level, thought process level, you get a freestyle. I'll
1: cut in and be the first to say the freestyle is, is the absolute peak of this section for me. Yeah. I and love that's, it. That's, it's, those it's are the great. peaks
2: of the entire song. But the valleys the build ups to it are not piece. <laughs> piece, not song correct the the entire build up isn't there for these peaks well, there's think... nothing culminating with them it's 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 a little disappointing in that respect because maybe if they were quicker on the uptake maybe if he was doing this at a more rapid pace cut it down maybe 2 minutes i'm not saying do that but Maybe.
0: I don't even know if that's the problem. Because, see, Steve mentioned Boards of Canada before. And one thing I loved about Boards of Canada, even though it's not an album I revisit that much, I still really like that record because every song you're steeped in a setting almost immediately. You feel like you're mm. somewhere, and you can identify where you are. But for track one and two on this record, I'm in a black hole, and it's terrifying. Well, this I see nothing. I feel nothing. It's emptiness. Oh, I can't say I feel nothing. Well, I don't know that I feel nothing. but But it still doesn't feel like a clear... Location—it's blurred. It's
1: undiscernible. I mean, ironically enough, <laughs> there are many tracks on, on on Boards of Canada's Tomorrow's Harvest that were indeed terrifying, uh, apocalyptic. One might say. I I feel this goes in similar directions, but uh, we're not yet steeped in something yet. But I yeah. do believe we get there later in the album. For this ten-minute track, it, I think you—it's more about—it's more about these little perks here and there. It. it it did seem as if this was the track of all of all the tracks here. This seemed to be the single the single track that I would not have made uh, the longest one on the album. Um, I, I don't think I could actually describe a later track as being a monster, as it were. Even though we get close, like six, seven minutes, right. we don't get anywhere near ten. And yet, I don't think they feel their length in six and seven minutes. This one is the only one that really does feel its length. Um, the freestyle section is is absolutely. Brilliant, but it's true. It does not really expand much. It seems to be a a recurring motif a very complex detailed motif But a motif nonetheless Um, If I were to say this goes into a B section and again, this is perhaps even more of a gradual transition than the first track, but uh, I'd say the B section is a lot smoother Uh, you're dealing with uh, These little chimes that occur in the background. I would liken it to almost like a Buddhist monastery It seems we get a lot more peaceful toward the midway point of this track but then we start kind of unraveling that a little bit as I recall there's a lot of slide work going on just back and forth every single note every synth note that it falls on it always has to the target is never exactly where it lands it's always just a a, a half step below a half step above it's like and every single note you can't exactly predict where it falls Um, now predicting music is never a good thing you don't want to predict music But I do think this this is purposely evasive.
0: And the evasiveness, I think, with those sliding notes that you're talking about is what makes it so hard to follow. Because you don't have to be able to predict music to enjoy it. But at least being able to follow along helps. If you're completely lost in chaos that's not entertaining, it's hard to really be on board. And those sliding scales really kind of make for a more confusing track. That again goes on
1: too long it continues certain elements like the pitter patter for one but then it also and it also does lead in as we get into like the next track here we're not quite there yet but we do start going darker places that are more defined and this could be sort of uh sort of an exposition for that but if if you're going to call it an exposition boy it takes its time and and you don't have the context yet you can only look at that in retrospect at this point you're still very much just Uh, real-time, you know, chronologically speaking, just trying to figure it out.
2: And and you're just kind of poking in the dark. Well, one thing that would lend some credibility to that argument is the more glitch-oriented nature that we get in this track, which does lead into the next piece uh, fairly solidly as, as like, a theme-connecting piece. Oh, yeah. But this track itself does have one big redeeming factor that I love, and that is the multi line that he throws in there. Sometimes he's got doubling and tripling of bass at different parts of the scale well i heard i heard two elements.
1: I heard two elements specifically. There was there was a lower bass that was a lot more a lot more rounded. It had a lot more depth. It even sounded as if it may have been doubled, but of course that's within the the, the distortion of the um uh, of the filter. But then accompanied with that and seemingly a little bit delayed going with that uh with that tactic, you get one that's just a little bit lighter. It feels like it's, not, it, it, it's a much brighter bass. And that is a single note. And they, they contrast each other just by being offset by rhythm. And yet at the same time, they're, they're very much in sync. I think they have nearly the same pattern as they go. Uh, although I think several times the, the double, the, the double uh, lower one kind of goes off and trails into different things. There's other little features here, but again, there's all sporadic. There's nothing I can really like, you know, say, oh yes, this is tied together with the theme of the track. For instance, you got, you got a nice little Nice bongo
2: work. I thought that was interesting. Which actually um, came off as Tablas, I think, in post-production. Yeah, it's true,
1: because that's uh, the, the the nature of that sliding work, is you feel that, that, that sliding nature, which you can only get on Tablas. You can't really get that on bongos, not to my knowledge, not not effectively. Um, but because he's doing that in post, you, you, you kind of hear Tablas a little bit. My problem
0: with the outro, though, that John was mentioning earlier, that the connection piece to the next track, is that we have to sit through two minutes of unnecessary... Of, on, you know, think, something that's not necessary to get to that little 30 section it's, it's connection piece. It's like
1: a piece. slow jam sort of and, almost. Well
2: no 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 it's not just that last 30 seconds. He does introduce glitch elements throughout this track. But they're not throughout this piece. But Before he gets into it they're not as connected as the actual outro. And trope. they're just
0: not as standoutish that it warranted another two and a half minutes. This song could have probably ended around eight or seven minutes and still with a similar kind of connecting bit at the end and been just as fine, if not better, because it wasn't dragged it out. It still
1: kind of surges in various moments, though. You have yeah. that little uh, funky riff. It's kind of like a breakdance element almost yeah. nestled inside this, uh, this, this nearly noir backdrop, but perhaps not quite time to use that word yet because the next track, we get track three, Product 29. Product as in P-R-O-D-U-K, 29 brackets 101 this tapped into this went through another really bizarre transition but this was a lot more interesting it tapped into more of a rhythm and blues style to begin with i i rather enjoyed this i think it was this was much more of a jam
2: it had kind of a swing element to me also uh, it was it was approaching almost easy listening almost at, at in the very beginning it was a little cheesy it was a little a little bit, too, a little too on the nose. But you think the of like eighties reggae. <laughs> it's that transition as he starts—not uh, reggae, but rhythm and blues. Uh, he starts introducing a lot of fluidity in the bass and the way it's tr- bouncing back and forth, the way it starts rising and falling and changing on the notes. That got that that transformed that original rhythm, which felt safe, yet showed it, there was a lot of complexity that was just untapped in this case.
1: Yeah, and I think that cheesiness that you're talking about goes. Back to that, um, the, the the dominant sound that you hear here is sort of a convoluted brass section, almost like something you'd hear out of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, what, what was the name of that, that track again? I mean, oh, what, Boom shakes the Room. That's what they use it has in Fresh a, Prince? It
0: has a similar sliding sound effect. But also what's really cool about this track is, too, it, it's the first time there were moods Sort of in the other tracks, but this one's where we really get steeped in a distinct mood and setting. It feels very noir. It feels very like you're in a sleazy club—not a dance club, but like a club where gangsters would go to drink scotch and smoke cigars. You know, it felt very seedy, underworld kind of thing. And that's
1: where it develops from cheesy into sleazy, and that's what I thought was such the bizarre transition. But maybe that's just interpretation.
2: And it comes around that part where the girls—you hear some girls chatting, and they say the line when we are in that club nice little sound bite that gets thrown and distorted and after round with in there, there and at that point it does kick it up a notch it does uh, become less R&B, a little more hip hop oriented and that's when they're also <laughs> taking those synth those drawn out synth and they start blending them into full string work yeah, that no. is really interesting because it's not just go synth into strings it is well that note sounds better when it comes from something replicating a violin or from a violin itself, instead of being a computer generated piece. And that back and forth, that tete he starts going through and starts flushing out is really interesting, very beautiful.
1: Yeah, by the time you're in the B section, it's it's I'd describe it as sort of a dark, spacey chordal sequence. It's much slower, a lot more drawn out, and, and yeah, I I would definitely bring to mind a, a, a sleazy alley, you know. And by the time we reach the, the section following that, you get, this, this is where you, I think, get the first elements of true progression in this track, where, mm-hmm. where, where it's going somewhere without, without necessarily departing the, the, the form, without, uh, excuse me, actually while departing form, but without departing tone. You get this tritone stacking at some point. It's like a tritone arpeggiation on top of one another, and you get this, this echoing. And then all of a sudden, almost comes down to silence, almost pure silence before the drums just enter here and just enter this little, this little swing style lead in. It, it's, it's very interesting. And it was the first part of this album where I felt like I was immersed into a kind of story, like something just transpired in this dark and sleazy alley yeah. instead of me simply getting the impression of it. Yeah, no, this all was, had up this
0: definitely was less impression and more full on picture. Um, it, it it's the first time I really felt like I was somewhere on this record instead of kind of just floating around in confusion um, and what helps that is just he, the way he embraces that rhythm here, he lets everything kind of link up and work together in a more cohesive manner. Not that there's anything wrong with chaos in, in, in Electronica, but I, just, I really liked in this track how he let things kind of link up
1: and build on each other. There was a definite evolution in this track that we had not heard before. Mm-hmm. And I also really liked the closing section, which uh, is sort of a slow se- sequence. It was a lot thinner, and it seemed to be slowly getting a lot more tightened, a little bit more intense, like the the situation in the alley was coming to blows or something. I don't know. Again, all of this is very subtle. But I, I felt as if the music was making these slight little chromatic adjustments within the chords. You can't really exactly say what it is, but that's just the subtle nature of the way he does progression. Whereas one person might feel bored and just accept this entire track as, as, uh, as, as monotony, I hear I hear distinct things growing at this point. Uh, it that depends from place to place, but this track thoroughly had me invested. Then yeah. we go into track four. Uh, to do this properly, four bit nine D APL plus E plus six bracket one two six point two six.
0: What I like, about, what I like about this track is this follow? the first time also we get a clear connection. Track three and four are clearly connected at least in tonality a bit. They're not direct connections, but they definitely feel related.
2: If, if track three was the greasy spoon, was that dirty glass, track four is lighter. It's still got dirt, but it's more of a dirty rain. It's not as thick as oily. It's not coming off as noir. It's still coming off in that same sort of vein, though. Well, I, actually, I actually got a little bit of reggaeton. Well, because... Like I'm in the, the, early middle rhythm of the city in this and it's blasting
1: out of some distant window.
0: The early rhythm in this track has a steel drum-esque kind of sound. It's not actually a steel drum because it's all electronic tones, but it resembles a steel drum... And that that steel drum with a speedy bass work really kind of give this kind of creepy groove that connects
2: to the previous track. I should say I inferred a steel drum. Right. (laughs) Whatever that means to you. Yeah. And in this case, it's it's a little bit of a change from what was happening earlier. It seems like the bass line is staying within certain areas, section by section, part by part, and that the rhythm is the one that's really growing more complicated, that is propelling the track forward. It's the changes in the percussion orientation that's keeping it lively. That's keeping it from falling back into the the darkness that was in the previous piece, but also moving it forward. Also allowing the introduction of those uh, drawn synth strokes to actually fit into what's being built on this kind of dirt.
1: Yeah, it's um actually you get... That's I think why I would define this as more as more of a like a like a space reggaeton or something like that you know a lot again a lot lighter you still feel the lighter element but it's it's so strange as to how he can sort of combine you know the dark and the carefree at the same time and I may perhaps this track succeeds more than any other in that regard uh, because you still even get a couple of freestyles just as we got earlier on barring the fact that we have very light synth as you were just describing in the background droning on and yet that's very deliberate in its chord changing sequence you know i am I'm, I'm getting i'm getting something that i can least digest at this point as opposed to those bizarre chord changes that are just you know poking around on the keyboard this is something that's a lot more a lot more rounded a lot more digestible um but then we get kind of a, a robotic freestyle along with that that that's the the synth. The freestyle is not as open and breakdancy as it was, let's say, in in, in Trek 2. This is a lot more robotic. It's a lot more uh, staccato. And yet all of this, in some bizarre way, kind of pushes that noir feel along. But it's still got that groove that you just can't ignore. Um, well, it's kind of like everyone just stood up at the club rather than, than laying back in their, uh, in their dark corners <laughs> concealed by curtains. Everyone stood up. They're on the dance floor now. And this is still not a club the average person would frequent.
0: Also, what I really like about this synth sound that's in this track is it's this first hint we get of Ape, Apex Twins' kind of uh, 80s influence. It's not a heavy 80s sound, but there's definitely a sense of that Axl F-style, Beverly Hills cop theme Sure, synth. It's definitely there. and And what I like is that even though that typically on its own could be pretty cheesy, here... Because of the elements he mixes it with, it kind of does stand up and s- sounds good. You know, and then again, I'm a fan of Axel F like anybody else, so I don't mind that there are hints of it here.
2: This actually does work well as a transition, because if you're talking 80s dance floor orientation, what comes in track 5, 180db underscore, is... Bracket 130. I can't, can't leave out the bra 130. I apologize in every track all I felt like it to find the
1: track all okay. I could think about was one three zero me too
2: this was very much uh uh introduced at face value as a nineties house house music a nineties thunk 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 Just it was on the dance floor exactly and frankly, I thought this was going to be. A house song. I thought it was going to be kind of throwaway. It worried. <laughs> no me house those... would be a song. <laughs> no, no. I thought house it was house piece. The first thirty <laughs> seconds was actually worrisome, but it was when you started picking up that very gradual synth drags that he was putting in there. The very light touch that quickly did evolve into something more complicated. Well, that was 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 phenomenal. The evolution and, yeah. and the changing in this was really amazing.
0: But that evolution, Steve said something interesting about it. You notice an interesting layering from the beginning. But what was really interesting is that everything comes in, but it gets denser. It doesn't actually change necessarily in volume
1: or in style. It just, there becomes more of it. It becomes a thicker piece. And that's what what made this the most interesting track initially to me, is that uh, I I sort of took this differently. I didn't quite get the house feel, I, I actually thought this was an, uh, an abstract uh, rendition of that THX sound effect that you get in movies when you're sitting there and getting all revved up and then all of a sudden it's everything seems to get denser, it's kind of modulating a little bit, and meanwhile you're rumbling in your seat waiting for the big reveal. It seems like it took pieces of that and then just kind of unwrapped it. Uh, and and it starts using what you interpret as kind of a house or you know you could even call it dubstep straight out there's sort of a, a lone thump as soon as this begins and, and then you're right and... it's just one it it starts with like that one so, that one uh, that one tone starts layering two three four for a while I, I feel like i'm i'm knee deep in in some kind of bizarre 13th chord but it it builds to the point where this the rhythmic motif that's actually playing all of these together start playing over and over and over and it's it's an interesting rhythmic motif but it remains for almost the duration of the piece still I was absolutely loving it just from an academic standpoint because as we add those those higher synths I mean I I was I was really immersed in that THX logo and I mean the high synths that were added behind it the 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 waning the screeching in the background like things are being are being Pulled out thread by thread or, or, or falling down piece by piece. It's, a, it's an Im- insanely unraveling effect. And the only anchor you have
2: is the solid rhythm that, that you initially got. And those would actually feel disconnected if you didn't have those high-energy, playful hi-hats that were uh, interspersed throughout it. Even when the, the <laughs> quote, I don't, bass I don't drum... Know gets dropped out for a section, you still have sort of a snare-hi-hat combination going on that I think really marries the two really distant ideas to one another in such a way that everything just becomes infectious. It, it just gets inside of you. It's one of those blood-pumping songs that, yeah, you would actually see in dubstep, in a, in a club, in something nowadays, but at the same time, there's so much complexity that you could pick out of it. There's so much little things going on here and there. That it's it's introverted yet extroverted. I also, um, I mean, to,
1: to be honest, I, I would completely omit those terms. I feel like this is an ac- this is a, an academic experiment unto itself. I don't think it was really meant to inspire emotion of sh- of sorts. It, it it was, but it gets you moving in a way. But you don't know whether you want to be moving to it yet. It, it's 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 an odd it's an oddball of a piece. But I what what really fascinated me about it is also the fact that timing. It always feels like that, like that rhythm is on the brink of becoming repetitive. It always feels like, okay, haven't we had a little bit enough? Granted, it, it interests me, but you know, hasn't it run its course by now? And it, whenever you get to that point, it, it always feels like it's on the brink of something happening, of let's say a full-blown B section. But you never get a B section, it's just a continuous uh, revision of A. It's a variation on a theme, that, that rhythm, that motif being your theme. Uh, instead, what you get is the synths will fade out. You'll reduce yourself down to the thump, purely just the one, two, three, four. Then you build it back up again. So you get these gradual things: the fade outs, the contortions, the frequency shifts. These are the things that really uh, that really make the A section uh, in a prime, in a double prime, and as many as many renditions of A as you would like. It never seems to just be the same section from minute to minute, uh, or from second to second, as you might guess
2: it had been. It's very bizarre. And the same thing applies to the further sections. This is, a, this is an idea that actually keeps getting pushed. The envelope keeps getting pushed throughout the entire piece. I think it's how it's meant to be taken. Uh, just subtle variations
1: on the one motif, and it, it definitely raised my eyebrow. It left it raised, again, academically at times. I think, (laughs) but at the same time, I'm also enjoying it. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that is the perfect line between, uh, between what, um, I, I know he may not like the term intelligent dance music, but I think this is the track on the album that best sums it up.
0: And we move from one interesting track to another because track six, C I R C L O N T six, a brackets one, four, one point nine, eight.
2: Thank you. Um, Brackets, Cyrobankus mix. Oh, Oh, of course, can't forget that part. Can't forget the Cyrobankus. That's a specific mix. Title track.
0: Um, (laughs) What I like about this track is the disconcerting and distorted intro gives way to what is pretty much glorified, and not in a bad way, MIDI remixed Mega Man music. I mean, it feels
2: very video. You know, early. It feels like anime, like like if a, a quality anime had done the Mega Man TV show. Well, it certainly like, incorporates... Like, the back and forth of it, the, the the high music that's going on here. This is him just showing off. It certainly brings in 8-bit sounds, so that's part of the reason why you feel like you're
1: immersed in that environment. Um, it, it... And in doing so, it presents you with a story. This time, a full-blown story. Not just your impression or your picture starting to form, but I... I think this is a, full, a full-fledged scene. Um just the chord changes themselves thrust you into the middle of a battle of sorts it's chaotic um and the chords are kind of regular there's a lot of fives and ones this is this is hardly off the wall stuff it it sounds very rousing uh also i have to note there's expert stereo work going on here i mean you get the sensation that there is not not just chaos but chaos in motion it's happening around you when you're really immersed in your headphones you know there's things bouncing off left bouncing off the right it's more more in full in in full uh full swing here i think than in other places on the album because this this album is so uh because this track is so filled with animation
0: and that kind of gives it this rapid fire feel like you're in the middle of a battlefield. And I, I equate it to Mega Man because in a lot of the Mega Man games, you take. a very they, high energy thing. Well, yeah. they take place in the future, and there's always so much going on on screen. Things you gotta shoot, things you gotta dodge, you gotta slide, Plus, move. Plus,
2: the video game itself has an amazing 8 bit soundtrack. All the renditions of early Mega Man were just phenomenal 8 bit soundtracks. And my analogy to more of an art scene version of Mega Man. It's just that, well, someone may have just remixed it. And it's, it's like a full-fledged episode. Like they were playing that game, or a similar game, or just, you know, maybe a Japanese import of this, that, or the other thing. And they decided, well, what is the story actually going to be like? When I'm not pressing the buttons, what would it be like if you were to picture it? The way it changes, not tempo, not actual speed, but just what it's showing... When you feel like, well, maybe they were fighting on a ledge. Now they're inside here. I'll give when you... they're fighting inside and then pop, pop out a door and they're in a landscape. Maybe they're doing the stare down when they're about to just do something big.
1: I'll give you some examples to that effect because uh, because of the fact that I said I described this as a full blown scene, not just a mere picture, but something that uh, actually has 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 action within it. Uh, there's a transition uh, after after you get your initial sense of 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 the battlefield, as it were. And again, it's hard not to invoke these, 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 um, these things, games, anime, <laughs> that sort of thing, because it is, very, it is very lively. But you get a transition, which almost seems to pull back from, from the, blatant, the blatant fighting, as it were. It pulls back a little bit more to, like, a rope-a-dope. Like a tete a tete, where there's more sparring going on than there is actual fighting, and that's one of the instance, uh, instances that you were talking about, where yeah. where it seems as if not, certainly not the tempo has changed, but it, something has cut out. One instrument has has cut out in favor of something else that is perhaps a little bit more playful. The chord changes have uh, have uh, they've shifted a little bit. Perhaps we've gone to like the relative minor or something like that. Again, I I, I did not actually analyze this song from a. Um, a from a musical standpoint, well, more, from really, a, more from a you, form standpoint, yeah. because that was far more fascinating <laughs> in this instance. Frankly, the chords themselves, probably heard them before in terms of all the various fight scenes in the world, so it didn't seem it was like it was worth it. But then after you get that transition where it seems to be this kind of little, little miniature rope dope you get a B section where it's purely a light drone in the background. It seems to project imminence, like like there's a a foggy head at play while while the chaos continues... The synth, the synth is just like the white noise that won't go away. And yet it encompasses the same chord progression that existed in the first section after we've, we've had this little uh, rope-a-dope insert. Now we're back to the original chord progression. Um, but yet there's that, that imminence there. Like, you feel the necessity of, 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 obviously, the urge to win, the need to win. There are things on the line. You get that. Then, as we move into the C section, it's even more imminent, but this time it's no longer white noise. It's more focused, it's still chaotic, but it's joined by several new elements. You get, like, these little crackling synths that form kind of around, and then the climax is this progression of halting and shorter, shorter notes. Just, like, as staccato as you can possibly get, and you can get pretty damn staccato when you're dealing with electronic music. So, as short as he wants to make the note, it it comes across as jarring to the human ear, because it... it it sounds like, uh, like some kind of ear test that's being done at the doctor's. I mean, that's how how awkward it is. And yet that functions as the perfect climax because it gets your heart rate going. So just as I said before, I wouldn't interpret this as some kind of like, um, like foggy head white noise imminence. It's it's more it's more like a, a full blown, um, how would I describe it? Like you return to the battle at swords. It, it, it's a full-blown ternary form, it seems, like an ABA. Right, and that ABA, you get a sense just from
0: the sound, it, it feels very reminiscent of the earlier part of the track, but has still evolved. And it gives this whole song a cyclical nature that I really enjoy. Yeah. Like a story that comes full circle.
1: It, it's hard for me to say whether it's actually ABA, because this final A-Prime, I, I initially termed it as a C uh, just earlier, because it, it is so varied. But that's the nature of any... Of Well, really, any scene, you know, you have... The exposition should match the conclusion in many ways. And what
0: I like about the conclusion is it halts suddenly. It just stops. Almost this idea of you walk back into battle, but then the rest is history.
2: But my one nitpick was... Because I've actually reversed my mind on this. My one nitpick was I felt Uh a little bit too condensed for what had come earlier. But (laughs) frankly... I like the speed that everything's going on here. That that change uh, was is a lot more welcome in retrospect. It's it's it brings your heart up a, quite a bit more, and it, it makes you open up your eyes. Especially considering... Well, which is it? One or the other? I mean, do you
1: like the fact that
2: this... No, that no, this I do like the... it now. I do like it now. Uh, okay.
1: In hindsight. I didn't know which way
2: you were reversing. No, no, no. I'm reversing. I didn't know where you
1: were before you reversed.
2: <laughs> now, not a negative. It's a positive. You wanted to get a little bit of your... Uh, of a heartbeat going on here. Because you had a couple of successive tracks of just noir, 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 setting, setting, setting. This, this is something that's actually propelling... Maybe the story that he saw, maybe, an, uh, uh, maybe just the idea of this album. I think further let's, along. Let's
1: let's withdraw a little bit. We we we've, we've been far too vague uh, in terms of theme to really pin down uh, this this track's function in terms of theme. It's really just a function in terms of arc. As far as the listening, uh, the experience of this album goes, you get to this track and suddenly you're you're a lot more you're a lot more involved than you originally were perhaps you were just listening to it as background noise initially but with a curious mind and now all of a sudden you were invested i think that's a positive thing to say for any album's arc um and that's regardless of all the the very extremely yeah. technical things that he's doing especially that 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 section with the with the the halting uh staccato notes i mean that's just, it, it's jarring granted, but it's wonderfully precise. And that you realize that precision, this is exactly what electronica music can deliver with you, where other things may fail a little bit. I mean, ultimate precision that just kind of, it satisfi- satisfies us in some, some innate way. If I had actually one nitpick, it's at the tail end, just at the the outro, when it was um, uh, sort of meandering back and forth between the, the bass kind of falling down the scale a little bit, and then a the sections in between, which were... I don't know, just a little bit barren. Kind of like, it seemed to barren for the sake of this track. It just went, it went back and forth, like maybe four measures and four measures, where four measures were spent, like, just the bass falling down a little bit, you know, and you get kind of a, uh, a sensation that it is wrapping up, and then in the interim, it just decides to stagnate or plateau. I don't know if that really served any, any function, but that's a pretty minor nitpick. Regardless of that, I do like the way it ultimately ended, which is just on a dime. I mean, you know, completely cut out,
2: harsh cut off, no fade-outs. And it goes into the interlude of the album. FZ, pseudo, time stretch, plus E, plus three, bracket, 138.85.
1: I love what this is exactly for what it is. I found it kind of a almost near brilliant intermission, at least in the way it started just the vocals beginning and again we assume this is just his vocals but they are who he's remixed the hell out of them he's broken them apart down to the vowel down to the consonant slowing it down kind of like that scene in the matrix when uh when he's actually being pulled out of the matrix and you get that telephone sensation you hear the you hear the individual you know (sighs) kind of what he did with the vocals pretty cool um because of the fact that he gets near silence and then starts contorting it again, winds it up, builds it up, and all this is happening within—we're talking 20, maybe, maybe seconds. 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. Because the remainder of the track, uh, it sort of yielded to to this overlapping eight-bit. Um, oh, actually, that's that's the the transition that should probably be discussed. Out of that vocal work, we get this uh, eight-bit augmented. Chord—it seems to be an augmented chord, just overlapping each other, which fills out the tension, kind of like a horror scene, but also a little bit like the, um, like your your epic epic battle exposition, or or like the kind you get out of a symphony. You know, just the the tension that an that an augmented chord usually sets up for you. I I specifically thought of a horror film, but that's very brief. Even that only lasts perhaps ten seconds before finally yielding to something that was a little bit safer, something that was. Kind of just a groove in which you immerse yourself in for about forty seconds to break up the the heart rate tension that's been building for now, about a track and a half. Yeah. And it, that's the, the ultimate the, purpose. The but robot the, cowboy. Again, in terms of arc, this is a success.
0: Yeah, well and also it, it, the whole song does still have that kind of horror background. It's not immersed in horror, but it kind of looms that unnervingness, which I think is what really well connects it to track eight. It kind sure. of that, that, that looming almost horror, gives way to C-I-R-C-L-O-N-T-14 bracket 152.97. Uh,
2: bracket sh- moming mix? Shreemoming? <laughs> Something like that. Mooming. Sh- that was one that I just, I can't do that one.
0: So this, this track starts and you get a really fast-paced sense of space
2: horror. Like it feels like you're locked on a spaceship with a, not, Big ugly thing. Not <laughs> full fledged harbor. I horror. I would. It's cyberpunk meets the noir that we got earlier in the album. It's cyber noir. It's, it's we can never seem to go go full force with anything here. Yeah. No. It's always like it's almost horror, his, shy of horror, shy of, of noir. Things. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, that's actually what what keeps it keeps it aloof. What it keeps yeah. it undefinable. No, and I'll, that's I'll a, give it that for this. The speed rhythm, the, the space echo that's just pervasive in this whole thing really is a great duality of what's going on here. The It's techno. And this is the one that I think really best exemplifies techno on the entire album. It has the most core feel of that word on this entire piece. I
1: think the whole album is techno uh, blatantly, but... eh. No no I wanna withdraw that a little bit. It it it's tough. I, I think I this is the one that brought forth beatboxing most to mind. You get that a lot, uh in, in the synth, which is well sporadic as always, as it was in the beginning. But there's music here. I mean this 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 beatboxing is pretty meandering as of this point. But behind that there is music. It it's it's funky within this. It's an oddball uh expose of funk. But it's, it's pretty cool. I, I got into it almost immediately. Beyond that, though, you have the eerie depths of what lurks in the background. For instance, one was the voices that sound kind of like whispers in the distance. That clashed a little bit with that that uh, forefront funk sound to me. I feel like I was essentially dumped with with, uh, with a variety of emotions as of maybe a couple minutes into this piece um, that I didn't exactly know what to do with. I didn't know which one to... to to follow a hundred percent um for instance by the time we get to the b section then yeah you're right it is really a lot more techno it's like improv techno at that point only because of the freestyle that you get um that, that sort of freestyle twanginess is almost like it's 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 scatting along granted there's a pattern here but that's what yeah, that's what you feel so now how many different emotions have i just taken you through you, you follow like my my um my confusion. I think at this point we well, all we have this... all settled, and it's time to talk about this album. Frankly, because we're several uh, tracks in, we've all settled on on our satisfaction with the eyebrow raising middle ground that this album has has placed us in. But there are also times where it really really wants to be uh, several of these things, and one of them very strongly, and then pulls back last second, gives us something else instead.
2: I don't. I. It's hard to say whether that's the intent, but that's that's the effect if anything i would say it's it's kind of indulgent the the artist here a fix twin is is seems to just be stretching his muscles he he is trying out all sorts of different ideas and i don't see them really being scattered uh from track by track from piece by piece maybe as a whole we're seeing some scatterbrain going on here but when you're talking about track eight like you start with that kind of noir, dark space orientation. You get into the B section; it feels like it lightened up. It got a little more. Oh hopeful. yeah, it wasn't it more I wasn't done yet. I could have continued. That was but the, the B way, section. Let's the go. way the way it evolves, I still think there's a. It may not seem cohesive, but I still see a natural progression. I think the from opening up that to you part.
1: the opening up that you're describing, like by the time you get to the C section, it's a little bit more subdued. Uh, and the female voice returns. This time, a little smoother, a little bit more crooning. And then you have a uh, an identifiable progression here. It's just sort of, you know, three, two, one down the minor scale, um, over and over and over and over again. And the the change between these sections is so gradual, it's almost indiscernible. But then, by the time you 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 get to the to the next section, it, it's it's progressively, it's less animated. And yet, then we get the the drums kind of pick it up at the tail end. And I just I don't know. At at a certain point. I returned to the pitter-patter that I experienced in the very, very first track, um, and that was is all I was able to say for it, was pitter-patter. Intriguing pitter-patter, but that's still
2: pitter-patter. It's pretty scattered. The fact you say, and I'm going to point this out now, um, that you can't really tell, or you can, but it's hard to tell, the gradual changes from each section, that that I think is a, is a... ...point it, in the positive column in this case, even though the sections are so distant from one it, another emotionally. It's
1: more like this. If, if you ask me to pinpoint the, the, the time stamp in which a section became a new section, I could easily do it for you. There's no, no doubt about it. The, the question is more about the emotion that has been left. By the time I get to, let's say, section D, as I call it, which is more dominated by drums, although perhaps you could just envision that as an, as an outro, by the time you get there... Was A really important? Is it on your mind? Is it tied together? Did it yield you to this point? Or was it just a present thing uh, in the course of his stream of consciousness that might well be forgotten?
2: And that's right there. That phrase you just used. Stream of consciousness. That, I believe, is one of the best factors. I was going to save this for my closing finale of this album. But just the, the way... He, He's changing your mind as the song progresses, I believe is one of the best aspects of so many of these tracks Well, there's still more to say on that front. So, uh, well,
1: we'll we'll, we'll not go there yet, and you can still use it It's a preview. (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. Track nine zero Perhaps this is the title track, who knows? 0U473T8 plus E, brackets, one, 141.98, close brackets, new brackets, Piezoluminescence, it's sort of Italian. So it's this real... is a
0: track where, from the very beginning, we get a heavy 80s synth feel. It's a much more an exposition on what I had mentioned that was only teased earlier. I get this sense, this beautiful picture of a red
1: light district, as Steve put it. And that actually relates perfectly back to uh, back to the title itself, Piezoluminescence. Um, It kind of reminds me of piezoelectricity, that would be an electric charge that accumulates in certain solid matters such as crystals, certain ceramics, and biological matters such as bone DNA and various proteins in response to applied mechanical stress. Interesting, so it actually means electricity resulting from pressure. That kind of relates almost. That's a sort of uh, red light district you're talking about. The the neon is just... It kind of consumes you in a certain way. The pressure of the outside world. Who knows how far you want to go with this. But at least this time, we have a little bit of theme to work from
0: but but the red light district kind of vibe yields to what i envision you know a lot of the also 80s and 90s cheesy double dragon games like the first stage when you walk the streets of a red light district flashing neon lights and that kind of gives this kind of a groove here and i i really like it i'm very indulged by it if no other reason because i'm a sucker for some good cheesy eighty synth, and there's quite a bit of it here, which was nice. Not to say it was the only thing, though.
2: Well, the rapid percussion, the way it seemed to phase from high end to low end, and to even phase out, it gave a lot of the mid-level layers a breathing room to really stretch their legs, to, to kind of do exposés in, in different parts. But what's going on here, I think there's another case where it's breathing a little bit too long as we're going through these sections they weren't doing it the same way christmas was but they are getting a (laughs) little bit stale i have to call it christmas it's xmas sure
1: i definitely
2: found this track pretty funky
1: to be honest i kind of i mean i maybe it lost some steam a little bit uh that's that's it that's exactly what it was for me but it was still funky it was still enjoyable I think, but you all know my uh, my my soft spot for funk. So at well, the same time, it, it this did album convey is
0: a term you coined. Well, maybe you didn't. It probably exists somewhere of electro jazz funk. This kind of mesh of these sounds. It wasn't clearly jazz or
1: funk. Well, that was later on. The see. In the beginning, it wasn't quite there yet. This yeah. is a small section later on. Actually, it, it in the beginning, it seemed to almost be like a copy of the early of an earlier riff or something like that. And I was almost getting tired of it. it seemed like this was could have been a filler track but then later on uh as the bass sort of stepped in there it seemed to be a little bit more interactive you have this sort of loud softening effect lots of dynamics but it was really the C section i think that that this this, this uh took off after like a, a a little bit of a transition where again it sort of returns to that that um, that uh pattern of going back to the very very short staccato notes uh, the C-section delivers us starting off with a very very and this is this is as, as much of a an exposition as you can get. It starts off with a very high, very tinny note and it just holds for a little bit. And then we get a few of those before we dive directly into what I termed the electro jazz <laughs> funk. it's It's very technical and I was enjoying the crap out of it. Um, and it, it seems to in the short span it seemed to be like you know diving down chromatic a little bit diving down chromatically, but it was all just way too brief. I was loving this section. I felt like this should have defined this track. I absolutely loved it, but it just, it yielded immediately to, again, these, these sections that I don't know how to describe. It could be a D section, perhaps. It was just a closing section that, that brought back, uh, several different elements earlier in the track and then kind of fused them together to, to play us out. But, uh, it it was, it was lots of just Enjoying himself, I think.
0: Yeah. The, the track, on, on a whole, seems to go on too long. But, you know, that said, there was a lot to enjoy
1: here. And I do agree that... I, I, yeah. I, I think I enjoyed the track. It's more just like when you take it a step further and you start considering it from an academic and critical standpoint, then I have to take a step back and wonder the purpose. Right. Because especially that last
0: end bit that we were talking about that you got very immersed in briefly could have stayed around longer for no reason and would have added to the song, but instead he sure. jumps away from it very quickly. And, I mean, it
1: could be also, as you said, as part of the clothing to go into track 10. In fact, then there was another section after that, or maybe this is the real outro, which just sort of brings in a little bit more of a spacey vibe. And it, We're all kind of over the album here. There's definitely moments where the certain things start to blur together. Yeah. And,
0: and I mean, it does link up okay to track 10. P-A-P-A, T-4, bracket. bracket. Papa T4 Brackets One, five, five Brackets Pineal mix I said penal penal off the air And it's clearly not that um, Now it's on the air, But now you it's on the can't take air. it back nope. Well, there you go You just put your foot in your mouth Or whatever that saying is Let's let's avoid mouths and move forward um, So, I got a sense uh, Actually, it is in the gland The, the, the pineal gland is, is an area of the brain Okay um the the hi- <laughs> thank you for that aside steve the, the hi- this kind of had a vibe of a highway cruising song it, it was very fast moving in fact faster than a lot of the stuff we had actually heard before one of the fastest tracks
2: on the record it's second fast I be- second quickest at 155 bpms to i believe the next track uh this was it's another exploration of
1: a singular motif you yeah. get um you get this, this pattern that's sort of the same over and over and over. If you're in the minor, minor scale, then you'd, you'd count this on uh, sort of two, one, two, four, five, three, two, one. And it it's just it continues. And it's kind of like a highway drive. I yeah, think that's how that's, you interpreted it, yeah. Matt. And, and I mean, the ambient work in the background I thought was especially glorious. It just underpinned the beat work. And I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I enjoyed the beat work itself, which is sort of a shame because. Free work is cool, but it had been a little bit redundant by this point. The background, the synth, that was really where
2: my head was at. Well, you gotta remember, it doesn't stay in the background throughout the song. It does take steps forward and steps back. But this is, this is really that, that synth is very ambient. The combination with the just speed that's going on with the beats, very oriented towards like hi-hats and snares, it's it doesn't just stay at that level. It By the time it gets towards the end, you're getting rapid fire kind of notes, two, three, four, five, six notes at a time that are spanned where there used to be just like one, maybe two. The speed that's going on here, the complexity that's going on with just the rhythm, I I was I was in I was enthralled by it. I loved what this rhythm was doing. I loved every moment of that beat work.
0: <laughs> My problem with that rhythm though is that while the song was completely rhythm driven by the midpoint and gave that conveyance of kind of a highway drive almost
1: maybe even the rumble strips if you're starting to go off the road a little bit. I think it was figuration-driven. I think it was that two, one, two, four, five, three, two, one. That was over
0: and over again. But the thing about the song that I think it really suffers from is the fact that with all these things
2: going on, there's not much more to it. Uh, No, no, there was a very distinct bass line going on in the background as well that kept poking its head forward, that I think did a great job of just propelling the it along chronologically.
0: Yes. And and the song does move and I don't feel bored per se, but I just feel like it it could have done a little more. I'm at this point kind of tired of being in this weird chaotic place. I want I want I want something else, you know? I want either a little more cohesion or I don't know, maybe some more interesting things done with that
2: incredibly fast rhythm work. I would say that we really had not had this layer of chaos yet in the album. That this really is the culmination of that idea of discord. Really? In a song, no. This track, I they, in we, the beat, the first in, track in, was more in, discordant. No. In yes. the rhythm, in the rhythm, I would say, yeah. No, sorry,
1: I can't agree. I just, I don't get that sense of chaos from the rhythm. It or perhaps feels very I'm repetitive. at a moment where I've, I've been sm- immersed into his world for long enough, where I guess within his context, we're better I can't, understanding it. We're maybe? better understanding the. Um, yeah, it's, it's possible. I still, I still will make the claim that even, even having been immersed, I think if you go back to the first track, that is the most discordant track on the album. His, he really wants to just unsettle you from the get go. From there on, it's as he termed, a little bit more poppy. Yeah, uh, it does. He says he, this is as poppy as it will get for him. I forget if he said that about a particular track or about an album, the album as a whole. But um, uh, <laughs> definitely, he has darker sides. He can, he can go further than this. Um, Not that I'm saying like the first track was like the pinnacle of this album in a a, a different sense, but it was certainly the pinnacle of the discordant sense, if that's what you're looking for.
0: From here we go to track 11, which is gobbledygook, but here I'll read it anyway. S-950-TX16-WASR10, brackets, 163.97, Earth Portal Mix. Wow, we actually have English words in the remix part. Um, this is where we get the fastest
1: beat work on the record, um, and we get some interesting key tones that kind of really... Yeah, speed is not... I just want to inter- interject that speed is not anything that was really, like, on the forefront, I mean, no. of my mind. I know you, you've been sort of both going on about it, like, oh, yeah, fastest beat work on the record. I, it's not anything that I really consider when I was confronted in the beginning of this record with, uh, all that, you know, like, I, I know he does beat work, and I know that it's usually pretty pretty dense so that alone is not really anything to, to to grab me I think it was really more of the fact that he returned to the whole steel drum thing uh, like we mentioned earlier this was a little bit more airy though but perhaps it just felt airy because of the steel drum and the way in which it was uh, mixed granted of course it's not a steel drum we've established this everything is synth but it's just the way it um it's just the way it came across but frankly I feel like we got this already this at this point I felt like it was rehashing
2: yeah, this know. was a little more towards rave music than in just about everything else on this album. But it didn't have one of the biggest features of rave music in this day and age, which is the dubstep idea of get a lot of very heavy kick drum in there, get a lot of very heavy bass drum in there. Yeah. Didn't have that. It was... That is exactly what you said. It opened it up. It left it airy.
1: And it had also even went further than that. It did have a distinct B section where you move into a... Uh... Yeah, got spacier again. It got spacier. You a lot more. Um, it sh- sort of echoes in the background. It seemed like there was this, uh, this thing that keep kept recurring, but it it's it it pushes it further into the distance. It was. I'm not sure how it connected,
2: but it was there. <laughs> well, it didn't connect because he really just as he's as he's making this part, the the these transitions, he's like F transitions. I don't need no transitions. I, I think I did. He's recall going that from un- an idea. And then doing a new idea. And then, as I think
1: Matt put it... On this track, amongst others, I was was least defensive.
0: Well, what he did with the transition is not that there were no transitions at all, but that he would transition by simply jumping from place to place and then put in a transitionary piece after making the jump. Almost like, I'm going to physically push you there... And
1: then lead you. That's what I meant earlier when I said he doesn't. You don't travel from home. You transport. You, you transport from home. And this but is, maybe you travel back. Right, and if this that's is, what you're getting at. And this is what
0: this was the most distinct way of seeing that you were literally teleported from place piece to piece in the song, and then transitioned once you were there. Like mm. here, shove you in the door. And now here's what you're looking at. You know, it was very kind of backwards-ass, but in a way, that was kind of interesting. It, it was makes the for, only
1: interesting thing, really, for me about this track. It makes for unique form that I don't hear often. That's yes. true. I um, That went over my head a little bit with this track. But I'll, I'll take your point, as, as I frequently sort of bombarded you with things you didn't notice at the time. But, um... I don't know. Anyone else have anything to say before the final track, which is quite a doozy for this album? Not really. I feel like this track kind
0: of
2: was a lot more of the same beyond that thing that me and John noticed. Um, The final track... One last thing. I I think we might be cutting it a little bit short on this track, only because I still really enjoy the layering. That's that's one thing I think we haven't really been harping on in this album. I'm going to bring it up before the last track, because in this album... The transitions, we may say good, bad, or otherwise, but the layers themselves are extremely complicated. Not just when we start talking about the dents, but some tracks, uh, track six, I mean, probably upwards of like 20, 30 layers of music going on at any given point. That's pretty freaking chaotic in and of itself. And that's that's something I want to point out. It's pretty masterfully done when you can actually balance those pieces so that you're not bleeding out ears.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but that said, I mean, also we take an interesting turn for the final track. Track 12, And that's which why I heard up
2: now, yes. Which is actually... <laughs> We're just
0: angling to get there. Letter for letter, the name Anastasia in all lowercase spelled backwards. Then brackets, one, zero, two. Comes across as Aisatsana.
1: Aisatsana. Yeah.
0: This cool. track is a simply a piano track there's nothing else it's just a, a piano no there well, is something there are things later but for the intro birds just a beautiful <laughs> piano track and what I like about this is an, an outro as an outro removed from the album is that it feels it has that finality that's in a really great outro however as an outro for this album it just doesn't really fit only because it it's there's nothing to Finalize.
1: You had said earlier, Off-Air, that it came across as tacky to your ears. That's a bit. that's a fair assessment, especially since we've we've uh, we've indicted frequently um, albums that that utilize the the sole uh, lonely musician playing in the middle of an empty auto- auditorium on on a an unkempt piano. And it's almost how this comes across as. There's very little mixing going on. It it seems like it's just bare bones acoustic piano. You can't get any purer than that. We haven't had any, hardly any acoustic on this album. I only noted the vocals that were present in the beginning, uh, which were barren but at the same time still heavily mixed we get the female vocals in 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 the midst in various places sometimes just speaking sometimes more crooning just a lot of miscellaneous gibberish but there's nothing that i would identify as an acoustic instrument i'm sure all of it is just patched through a variety of filters but here at this point all of a sudden he felt it time to deliver us something pure and homely and not only did we get that but we get we get the nature in the background you couldn't be farther removed from the computer and the patching and the you know wires into what who's him what's it instead it's just pure nature piano and 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 birds <laughs> i mean maybe that's not pure nature but well it is to my ears and then beyond that the track itself is so slow and and sort of barren in it itself there's very little it's hardly a melody here it's it's pretty much just the chords this background figuration, you can't call it really background because I don't think it's a foreground, it just repeats over and over with a very slow, um, staggered pace. It's, it's, not, it's not in your face. It barely even seems to be alive. It's like taking its last breaths. It's a
0: mellow, somber tone. I mean, at one point, even towards the end of the track, you hear the pedal tap of what yeah, I'm guessing I is keyboard. Be- well, the, I believe that's just...
1: Um, well, I believe that's... Well, the, the piano itself. I think it's a pedal tap. It could be something that's, that's layered in addition, but it sounds almost like the jolt that you get if you're sitting at, at, a, at a big grand piano. And presumably it's not, you know, your, your highest maintained Steinway in which they would try to keep that sound to an absolute minimum. Sometimes it's just impossible. You play the piano, and especially if you're in a very, very soft spot where you're holding the note and it continually deteriorates... And then finally, it's time to tap the pedal. Otherwise, you get bleed over into the next chord. And then when you tap the pedal, it's just a quick up-down, and that creates a jolt, which is audible if you have various different microphones uh, uh, attached and clipped to different parts of the piano, as would be for a professional recording. So uh, <laughs> I, I was all about this track in its in its utter simplicity. This is, yeah. this is pure minimalism. Um, I love the fact that it lacks a foreground and it lacks a melody. You- there is the question, though, and I am returning this to your claim, the fact that it felt tacky. I, I think I was able to accept this track, but if you're going to call it tacky, then it is the fact that it is the antithesis to everything else. And that does seem a little bit sudden, but I still enjoyed it. It was a, it was a big relief, especially considering the last couple tracks, I had less positive things to say than you. I was founding more Bleed Over than... uh than I had earlier on. It was becoming kind of just a wall of noise to me in which this let me breathe.
0: But what John had said is that this is not actually that far into what he does, and I don't doubt that. It just fell far into this album as a structure. We are ultimately uh, rating this album as a whole as a piece. And I just felt that while I like this this song, it did feel out of place for
2: the record we were presented. It still uses the same basic ideas of what he had done in every other song on this album which is no uh (laughs) thank you for derailing that train of thought it's like a couple little vocals the every other piece on this album and that is take an idea replicate it and evolve it as it goes along in that context it is completely in line with everything else in every other context of what we'd come to expect, yes, it is an oddball, but I think that, that just speaks to... The, that's just the reason why it's more beautiful. I don't that's, think... I'm,
1: I mean, are you saying it is an echo, an acoustic echo of the patterns of the other tracks? That's an excellent way of doing it, of, of stating... Uh, it, well, I only prompted it. you there. I didn't say I agreed with that assessment. No, no, no. I, 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 I like
2: that metaphor. But,
1: <laughs> as I say, I don't agree with the, what I just pinned on you. I think that... This track is a very stagnant track, and I love it for its stagnancy. It doesn't show the scatterbrained of uh, subtle evolutions that the rest of the tracks do. So I, I think that would be false. I think that would be a false analogy for this. I think this is trying to create something, if you were going to try to spin it around positively, and I do want to because I genuinely don't <coughs> enjoy this track, I'd say it's trying to create something that is stable, something that you can latch on to, whereas various other tracks um, purposefully try and 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 mislead you and make you believe in the aftermath that what is what you see what you perceive is not always what's what's real
0: okay it sounds like we're done with this oh i
1: think so yes um i guess i'll take
0: take us into our wrap-up since steve still seems like he's grasping at straws a bit no i just i just need to breathe man um (laughs) okay so it's very easy to compare this to other electronica that we reviewed on the, the podcast, but I'm going to try and avoid that and just kind of go with what we have in front of us. I feel like the first and most important question when reviewing an album, well, it's maybe not the most important, but it's an important question. Did I enjoy it? I still don't know. Not <laughs> sure. I had a very Steve experience. Steve always likes to tout about how he's very much about the moments. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I did very much enjoy moments of this record. However, caricatures of the other co-host aside, those moments weren't enough for me. There's no denying his talent. I mean, just based on what Steve, uh, John, rather, the other co-host, told us at the beginning of the review that he's a talent and he knows what he's doing and he's done some incredible things from very early age. I just, I feel like... There's, there's better cohesive pieces out there than this. And that's not saying this is bad. I'm just saying that there's better. I mean, I definitely enjoyed moments, and there are sections that are very reliant on each other. There are definitely a few two- or three-track combos that fit very well together. However, the album arc as a whole, theme for sure barely exists. If there's a theme, it's very hard to see. Arc? There are moments of an arc... And as John put it, there are definite elements that he uses that feel to almost be an arc, but the arc, if it's there, is also not clear cut. It's definitely subsued, subdued, some other subword that I'm looking for in there somewhere. Subliminal. There you go. That'll, I'll go with that one. But for me. That would be tough. <laughs> for me, Ciro just doesn't really hold together as an entire complete piece. I feel like there are definite moments that I enjoy, and there's definitely a talent here. He's not an average electronica player, clearly, because of the influence level he has. He plays
1: that electronica,
0: doesn't he? He does. (laughs) I just don't feel like this really meets a standard of electronica that I've come to expect, just based on other artists we've brought on the podcast. Um, So, that said, this exists in a very weird place for me. It's definitely above average. But it's not that next step. There's nothing here that really felt very next step for me. So, I'm clocking it in as not quite a, a 3.75. It's a, it's, a, it's a 3.6. It's not exactly a 3.5. I'm not, I'm not putting it right in between a 3 and a 4, but it's a little bit above that. But the lack, the lack of a clear arc, the lack of a clear theme, where that may not necessarily be a bad thing to some people, really hurts it for me. And I barely emotionally connected with it. There were moments. There were definite settings I got steeped in. Like track three and four, clearly there was an emotional connection there. But a lot of the other tracks to follow after it kind of took a downturn towards the end uh, and got a little repetitive and then picked up with the final track, which clearly had an emotional connection in that somberness. So that's where I sit with this at a 3.6.
1: Well, I tell you, you, you scoff at my uh, at my my consistent harping on the moments, but but frequently the moments are exactly what make up life, and and well, orgasms occur in moments. I mean, you know, it's not anything to sneeze at. But uh, it is true that when I consider this album, the moments are actually far more drawn out to me. Now, you also said something before about um about him as an electronica as an electronica artist, and also about this album. Perhaps not being standard fare from what you've experienced so far on this podcast as as we've looked through electronica music, and we haven't looked through a lot of electronica music by far. Um, I'm pretty impressed, actually, with what this guy's done. I think this was a solid album, and also, to uh, impugn you earlier on, I don't think I was grasping at straws before. I genuinely believe that this is the theme that this album is going at, uh, is going toward, I don't think these things are accidental, but I do believe they're far more difficult when you're dealing with electronica music. I think that electronica is the kind of thing that strikes people as lofty. It strikes people as a lofty ambition. Sometimes, because often, electronica could be used for the most simplistic of purposes. Simply to set your theme at a party and keep the beat going, status quo, keep them dancing, almost like a metronome, you know, and just copy-paste-relay. It's difficult because how are you supposed to convince people that that's not merely what you're doing? How are you supposed to convince people that you're stepping over that threshold and moving into something that took painstaking effort? And we know this album took painstaking effort. Uh, I even read one little note that in the course of producing this album, it came to the point where uh, they were patching different different things together, different... um, different since uh up with other again i'm not exactly sure about the technical process involved um i'm I'm more of an acoustic musician (laughs) but it apparently came to the point where after three months of of this doing this patching patching process and working with a recording engineer uh the person he was working with realized crap i'm doing it wrong he had to start over and three months was essentially undone that's what really goes into into uh into electronica when you have your heart set on a project. And I, I, I'm sure that he did. So that brings me back to the theme that I described. And I do believe this is some kind of exploration of slowly uh, changing your impressions. Uh, like a, an, an, ex- an example of impressionism that evolves over the course of time. Very often we're looking at at impressionistic pieces that simply are what they are. The impressionistic piece is the monet painting and it stands still and it never goes anywhere well this is the kind that changes your interpretation of the monet painting as if the phasing had just altered itself the uh, the um the focus lens had just sort of shifted i think that's what's happening here and i see it in almost every single track as to defect on the audience i think it's y- you have to deliberate about it. you have to consider well what i want out of a specific track is it really that is it really that, that, that movement of emotions? Because you're bound, you're human, you have taste, you're bound to settle on one emotion. In which case, that one moment, or rather that one movement, is your cup of tea. If funk is your cup of tea, as it is mine very often, well, that's where you're going to go. Um, but art doesn't take into account these things. It reaches to make a statement, and I think it was a very effective statement. I think this, um, I think this definitely exceed, exceeds a four uh, for that reason, I think it succeeds in its artistic purpose. As to the reachability and uh, its attempt to bring in outside um, uh, outside observers, foreign people to the genre, in that it, it, it failed a little bit and remained a little bit too lofty and went into the trap that many people expect from electronic music, which is you're in love with your ideas. And at the end of the day, when you come up with a, with a, a beat framework for one particular track, and then you're fast-forwarding in your in your uh, digital audio workstation, and you want to just co- sort of improv a little bit. You work, and you come up with another idea for the same part of the track. Well, now you've got two ideas. How are you going to make them work? Fuse it somehow. Come up with a transition. This is inevitable, but it can be done in an artistic way. To the listener, sometimes it's just a mishmash. I think this, this resides at a at a solid four point two for effort because the art it, the art takes over in the end that I can't simply give this the A plus. It's an A plus plus. Um well but, but below the true A, which is actually the five, but that's neither here nor there. You know our so rating it's a, system. it's it's an A minus. A A sure. B plus plus. yeah, whatever.
2: Well, damn, you basically did all of my closing arguments for You stole it. all of my closing I'm sorry. arguments I'm sorry. save one. So I won't repeat myself and that is I think the main reason might be I don't want to put words in your mouth here Matt but the main reason you might not connect with this emotionally and I will say when you're talking electronica emotional connection is one of the most important features you can get out of a song whether it's just high energy and the things associated with that like wrath or lust or something like that sort or if it's the low ambient ideas of just going on a journey and feeling depression or just warm happiness or something of that sort. This album, track by track, song by song, for the most part, I see it as, as, as Steve said, as a transitional art piece. But one where you're not, you're not looking for an emotion. You can't look for the emotion in these songs necessarily. If you find one great, that's a song you connect it to. But you have to accidentally stumble across these ideas. You you can't try to pin it down. If if you don't see it right away, you may you may never see it. And this is definitely gonna be an album that I I, I kinda liked it. Only kinda liked it the first time I heard it. I really liked it the second time. And by third listen, I was starting to fall in love with some of these songs. It's definitely a grow on me kind of an album. I'm happy I did not have time to really sit on this for two, three months because it came back, back it came out back in September. Mm. Um, I'm glad it's very new to me because, honestly, it, it, it shouldn't grow. I shouldn't do a rating after it's grown on me. This might be an album I'm going to bump up dramatically at the end of the year. But this, this you just have to clear your mind and go for it. And if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. I think I think that might be the the bald truth with this album. And if you don't get it, I don't think you're ever going to be able to get some of these songs. That being said, I agree with with uh, uh, Steve on pretty much every point up to his rating. It's not a. It's a four point two five. It is a solid really upper echelon piece that isn't breaking any boundaries because upper we echelon to... is 4.5 plus remember that that's upper echelon okay excuse me upper piece not quite the upper echelon piece not not the echelon piece it's in the goods it's, it's in, in the really it's really entrenched really goods. in the
1: goods um it's got a firm footing not going to fall
2: yeah it's it's not breaking any grounds because so much of this stuff we can say oh this was like this this was like this this was like this we can make allusions to stuff and when you're talking electronica frankly if you can't describe it it's either the best or the worst. period. I'd also
1: describe it as this, I mean, uh, if you're looking at the piece from a technical standpoint, it's far too technical for it to be average. This is this is this the work that went into this and it's apparent in every single in every single flourish, uh every rhythmic flourish. It's apparent that this is very technical and and you can get immersed in that alone regardless whatever the hell you think about this album's theme. Not everyone is looking for that. Probably most people are not looking for that in electronica, but we're, we're, we're pretty harsh on, on that field, and, and and perhaps that's the only area where I, I would keep it my 4.2 rather than that. that solid, rounded quarter is just because, you know, well, theme is, is, is a very, very uh, elusive point.
0: Well, I think you guys make some really good points, and I think, thinking more about it, I am probably being a little overly harsh just because the emotional connection wasn't there for me. It's impossible to deny the level of skill that is featured by Apex
1: Twin. Um, not all art surrounds motions themselves, yeah, there and, and concepts.
0: But b- beyond that, I think that it does it does warrant the fact that this is not on par with pop or not on par with with some of the rock we've done that's been ubiquitous and samey. And and three point six does lend more towards an average feel, whereas I might not feel it's as. Uh, upper below echelon that you guys think it is but to 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 really hurt it just because i didn't connect to it as much as another electronic artist is not the fault of this artist that's on me not on the artist Hmm. and i think that this should just float right around where i put the last electronic artist we did review because it makes more sense i don't think it's over a four because i personally don't see it in that mess that's there however you cannot deny his talent. So I will bump it up to a 3.9. Cool. It would go over a 4 if I think I made that next step connection. That John's right. You're either going to get it or you don't. If you don't, it's hard to see that next level. But you cannot
1: deny his ta- talent. So, so I, I average it together over the 4 in the average.
2: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, th- it's, it's pretty darn good. And I was three three very happy. I, I'm very happy choosing this for our new year, new season. It's definitely started. better than how we
0: started last year
1: yeah that, that's what I was going to say the um uh, too technical to be average but um uh you can't just give it a for effort I think yeah. it's more there's more effort in here than simply that 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 a for effort stupidness <laughs>
0: right um at this point I want to uh talk a little bit about what to what's to come in crash chords this year. I teased it a bit um at the end of last episode after my thank yous um the big one that I want to talk about first is, the. since we're starting a brand new month of January, we uh, will have a brand new guest this month who I mentioned. Uh, fan favorite returns, Kida St. Cyr, burlesque performer, producer, and just all-around awesome person is going to join us at the end of January. Um, I'm excited to bring her back.
2: Last I heard her goal is to bring us new J-pop. Yay! Um, yay! Oh, yay! Yay, I don't have to choose it this year, because I still meaning to get to that one. Um, Why so, can't you just take the false and the things you'd like, seriously? Because I don't know it well enough to actually pick one that I think might be a good
0: discussion. <laughs> um, and so we'll have that to come. Um, but I don't want to just talk about what we're doing
2: as a website. Obviously, we're on a new writer. Obviously, we're going to be writing more this year. I actually am starting writing over again. And, well, you're actually, you're going to see content from me. I'm actually I'm making that claim. Because, well, I, I've already... Picked out three albums I'm doing reviews for. And I've started three articles that I'm doing reviews for those three albums. So, yeah, I'm doing stuff. Looking forward to them. I'm so happy I'm finally
1: writing again. Yeah, that, that... How many articles is just sitting on the website with a title? I love those titles. They... They're so alluring. I just, uh. (laughs) ah. We might as well delete those posts that are just titles. He's not reviewing those albums. They're over a year old. Well, no, not only that, they This this podcast is incredibly time-consuming as far as our our review minds go. But there's better things coming in the new year. You can expect a lot more from a new writer also, one Tony Canolato. That's a
2: big thing that I'm expecting for 2015. Uh, I've seen some of the other things he wants to actually do, and... The way he contacted us, the way I kind of fell into this, because I know uh, Steve knew him beforehand. I was in a
1: think. bizarre correspondence with him over uh, the nature of the, the merits of pop music, which kind of speaks to almost exactly what we do, especially when we're looking down to the, the, the minutiae. You know, if you're just talking about like the little elements of pop music, especially this also goes back to the whole music uh, of the moment. You know, looking at the moments. That can be extracted, and in many ways, that's the defense that people have against what otherwise would be called very, very generic pop. Still, this stuff can be discussed, and we were having a very, uh, very,
2: very enlightening discussion on that. When I first saw his proposed ideas, one of which is now published on the website, uh, I was like, I, I immediately thought, wow, there's somebody who actually thinks like us. Right. Well, what I like about Tony's <laughs> writing which is, is nuts, that it's
0: yeah. not 100% serious and droll. You know, it's very easy to get steeped in reviewing stuff and get overly serious. We've even done it here on the podcast. What I liked about his title alone that I read earlier is that it hints at a little bit of tongue-in-cheek. Not a ton, but a little bit. Like, you know, to give an, 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 an air to the article that we we follow on the site i mean
1: between our guests it leaves room for debate that's the most important thing on the yeah. internet is that so many people are just so assertive you know and that's the end all be all you can kind of you can tell as early as the title in, in so many articles around the internet that, that that's the extent of of how their beliefs will will change they're not going to evolve that is the end of the discussion for them the rest of the the feedback you know the the retorts and all that that's just white noise for them essentially that's that's lost in the ignorance of the internet as they perceive it so to present an article that says look at it critically look at things critically that's that's what we aim for here in the podcast, for sure. And it's, and it's refreshing to see it in writing as, as we will be delivering uh, with more frequency in 2015.
0: What Also, what I liked is it reflected our evolution from last year. We talked a lot about in the year review that we influenced each other more heavily this, this past year than we had ever before. And I, I'm looking forward to more of that in 2015, to constantly challenge each other and ourselves musically. Because it's very easy to fall into a rut like me and John have, and John have like we talked
1: we, about it we fell into a rut with Green Day we thought oh we'll just like everything by them nope yeah, nope, so wrong followed by episodes 14, 24 and 37 I don't think we'll be revisiting
2: Green Day for a while uh, we're going to revisit Green Day oh, I'm going to give it a preview before I decide to bring it on the show though oh, um, no it's it's still weird looking back at the stuff that we've done on the website and the stuff that we how we actually have evolved as a critical thinker um, but I know I have, and I know these guys have, taken a little bit of time to reflect over the last few months, and we want to start actually pushing the way that we do these reviews into other spheres, is to try to actually promote this debate that we're talking about. Um, We're going to start attempting to do things like subreddits, uh, so that you can actually comment directly to us, and comment to other people that are commenting to us, and Start trying to form a dialogue with other individuals, even if it's just one guy yelling at another guy, and granted, be nice, it's Reddit, but it's still the internet, be nice. We want to start promoting these ideas and getting you more actively involved in what we do and what we
1: present to you. Yeah, the podcast remains the I think the pillar of, of, of uh, what we do here at Crash Cords. Um, at the same time, that it's also very internalized. You know, we can get caught up in in, in the in the roundabout uh, cyclical nature of just circling between the three of our uh, ideas. There are more ideas out here, and I'll, this will be evident in, in the fan mail that I'll eventually read at the end of this uh, um, of this podcast. Because there are clearly other people who obviously don't agree with the. The, the statements that we put out there. But that's not the point of what we do. We just simply try to cover as many bases as possible. But it's impossible to cover every single base. Even just the three of us, it's diverse enough for sure. We've influenced each other, but also there can be moments where it, it develops into a kind of think tank that we can't escape from, that we need uh, we need an objective, an, an objective cross-reference.
0: Well, and also it's really important that we, like Steve s- says so many times to keep the discussion going it's not mm-hmm. about our our reviews ultimately shouldn't be the end all be all that's why we don't even reference them till the end and they're listed on a separate page where you can't see them they're not mentioned in the body of the actual post mm-hmm. because our 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 ratings don't matter as much as the conversation it sparks if if our if we rate something and you think we're completely wrong and you just get mad at us and walk away, that's not what this is about. If our rating is wrong, get mad at us and tell us why we're wrong. I love when people tell us why we're wrong mm-hmm. because music can be very objective, but also there are counter arguments to almost anything that we do. And that's also why I think bringing in the new writer, Tony, my auxiliary podcast that I do, Crash Course Autographs, are things Tony's looking to bring up, a conversation piece, and that's what I do on autographs. I discuss with these artists not just their influences and where they start, but even how they feel about music or feminism in music or what games they played that led them to writing the nerdy thing they wrote. It's it's about a
1: discussion and a conversation because dialogue is more important than anything else. Yeah, it's it's um it's 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 an intriguing thing because people see art as the kind of. The kind of subject in which research is not required, in which people's own own, own opinions really are uh, really are theirs in every stretch. You don't really have to go somewhere and be proven right or wrong, but it always helps to learn more because, as you've earlier said, everyone listens to music differently. That's uh, that's a value. That's not that's that's not rhetoric speaking. That is that is a value that everyone should 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 know early on, and it, it's helpful to. It's helpful to check yourself every once in a while and consider whether, uh, whether the art that you've been seeing as art for years and years, whether there's more to it, whether there are higher steps, because uh, that, that's what's going to push us forward as a society, not just from a conceptual, uh, conceptual standpoint, but also from abilities, the things that we can open our minds to, our imagination and so forth. It's easier to get stuck in a
2: rut. And frankly, if you're going to have an opinion, defend it have a reason why you're going to have that opinion. And that's what we try to present here, the reasoning behind our love or hate and our just okay ideas about these albums. Uh, Because, yeah, nothing is in a vacuum, and others all these taglines, but if you really want to be able to just not even influence somebody else so that they can get along your lines of thinking, though I do love it when somebody falls in love with something I like, Because I told them how, because I told them why, because I showed it to them. But even so that from peace of mind, so you can understand yourself a little bit better, have that defense ready, have that idea ready for the reasoning, for just the idea of your opinion.
0: I think that's what I'm looking forward to most in 2015 for Crash Chords as a website, as a podcast, as a way of thinking, even a way of life. I mean, I mentioned in on the site that music is life and life is good as a sign-off is more than just a sign-off it's absolutely without irony or cheekiness or cheesiness it's a way of life you know and i'm really looking forward in 2015 for us to continue to evolve this dialogue we call crash chords to wherever it goes between youtube and twitter tumblr facebook writing podcasts It it's all about evolving the discussion of music as music itself evolves. Because the musical landscape changes every year. We get things that we didn't think possible. I mean, even something as silly as Mouth Sounds last year (laughs) was an evolution in music because this artist is taking existing artists and creating, in some cases, very brand new music that I like even better than the originals. And that kind of stuff is very important and wasn't very commonplace. Other people do mashups, and they're, they are everywhere, but that the fact that that got attention from us, got attention from other people, and actually had legs, is a big deal. And I'm
1: curious to see how music continues to evolve in 2015 and continue to comment and discuss it. Yeah, and that everyone's opinion matters in the end. It's really, this is just the the experiment of Crash Chords and of the Crash Chords Podcast specifically. It's just a forum for for bringing to light as many ideas as we can possibly conceive of for for a given work and as long as people start thinking about music in that in that respect then i will have considered our 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 job a success
0: and i think this is a great point to actually get to also one of my favorite (laughs) things about the job we do besides the fact that i just enjoy playing doing it i enjoy when people get it and we have a fan mail from someone who really gets it um someone who submitted a fan mail I believe a few days ago from when we were recording and what I like about it before I let Steve read it is and of course introduce who sent it in um, I like when people get it not because they're like oh they're great because I don't care if people think we're great in fact I prefer people to Crap on us because it's an aggressive opinion, which means there's an emotional stake. As long as you can defend your opinion, I like when people actually get that it's not just about agreeing or disagreeing. There's more to it than that.
1: Yep, and um, another thing I, I, I like about this uh, this fan mail, from a personal standpoint, it is uh, it is wordy, and I like wordiness. It's <laughs> not, um, of course, uh, not frivolity, but uh, but um, not capriciousness, but but. People who generally have have a lot to say about a subject, I think it shows it shows more investment than your typical like you know hey great job guys great job and I also noticed the same in in, in Tony with our correspondence you know stand by your ideas and and the more that I see the more the more writing that I see in general the, probably the more I'm gonna like you <laughs> here we go Mark Hughes sent us this uh, uh this particular fan mail notice I'm saying fan mail today we get no spam mail let's start the year off right with uh, proper fan mail. Hi. I've been listening to your podcast for about half a year now and have been quite enjoying it. I discovered it kind of by accident on another site via a related videos link to the YouTube video of your review for Mouth Sounds, which you were just talking about, uh, which we reviewed. That's Neil Sirga's album. We reviewed mm-hmm. that back in episode 94. Your detailed analysis and discussion of various types of music provide me with an intriguing listen. There are many times when there are opinions expressed that do not necessarily reflect that of my own, times in which I am left scratching my head or mildly cringing in horror. I enjoyed that. But I keep listening on with an open mind because sometimes a differing opinion will make you think about things in ways you haven't thought of before. Plus, you are clearly passionate about what you do, and that's what really matters in the end. Anyways, there are two albums I'd like to alert to you. One being an album that's connected to an album previously reviewed on the show, the other being an album that's probably my favorite of 2014. I don't expect you to review both of these, since that would be a little selfish on my behalf, how humble. The first, the first is more of a curiosity than a straight-up recommendation, since I myself haven't actually given it an attentive listen. Back when you reviewed Daryl's Ohio, that was episode 114, John had mentioned something near the end about them putting out a new album. Curious, I decided to investigate and came to the conclusion that either they drastically changed their sound into some form of electronic dance music, or Spotify had messed up by categorizing different artists with the same name as being the same as it, want, as it is wont to do, or John has been doing a lot more digging. Look at that jab. While I While I was convinced it was probably the second option, I decided to do some further digging anyways, and here's what I found. While the group Daryl didn't put out any new albums after Ohio, lead vocalist and principal songwriter Dylan Silvers did go on to form a new band with a few other Daryl members called The Crash That Took Me, named after the Daryl song of the same name, and put out two albums, Orchestrated Kaleidoscopes in 2007, and Chlorine Colored Eyes in 2009. In 2011, Daryl did reunite for some shows, but didn't put out any new music. However, Dylan Silvers started another musical project called These Machines Are Winning, was put out its first album in 2013 and you can check out more information about it here he provides a link these machines are winning.com there's even some contact information for dylan on the site if you're really intrigued to learn all these albums are available to listen on spotify and a lot of this info i found via various articles from the dylan Obser- from the dallas observer that'd be something if it was the dylan observer about dylan the dallas observer most involving dylan silvers uh, link provided for me, 2014, some afterthoughts here, for me, 2014 was a weaker year musically. Uh, there are a few albums that I really enjoyed, like Future Island's singles and Owen Pallett's In Conflict, which we discussed, uh, the latter of which I decided to check out because of your very podcast. For the most part, I just found a lot of okay albums from groups that had put out better stuff in the past. There was also Mouth Sounds, an album that was okay by my standards, but probably occupied my mind throughout the better part of the year for reasons that would take way too long to get into. But then, out of the blue, in the middle of December, an album was released that got me really excited. Now, in your last episode, you mentioned Aphex Twin, the promo for this episode, and how and how he finally put out a new album after a 13-year hiatus. Well, my favorite album of last year is also by an artist who has had a long hiatus between albums, and that is D'Angelo's Black Messiah, to follow up his 2000 album, Voodoo. For all I know, one of you got, one of you might already be planning to suggest this for review, though I'm not completely sure what... You guys will think of it. R&B, after all, is not a genre you've covered much, but I do remember you really liking Beyonce's last album, and I recall Steve mentioning a few times about his fondness for funk music. It's an adventurous album that even if you don't like, I'd still be curious to hear what your thoughts are. Mark Hughes.
0: Well, Mark, I'm speaking to you directly through the magic of the internet. Thank you for your email. Uh, Sincerely and humbly, it was... um, Wonderful, honestly. I you get, you get what we do, and you get why we're here, and you're along for the ride, and I think that's the best part. Um, to speak to the information you found out about Daryl, I actually can say Darren. for— uh, Daryl. Dylan. Excuse me. Dylan, but from the band Daryl, um, <laughs> a lot of Ds. Actually, Spotify does do that a lot. There's a, a nerdcore rapper I've mentioned quite a few times who actually has a new album coming out this year that I'm excited about, Dr. Awkward. Who's been mashed up with another Doctor Awkward, spelled the same way? That's not a nerdcore rapper. It happens a lot on Spotify. They don't. There's an issue with the
2: algorithm where it meshes similar names together. I also still have saved under my favorites on my tablet the website I was drawing information from when doing research for Daryl, and I just mistakenly uh, saw uh, "Bloody Basin," which was released afterwards. It's a compilation album, not an original work. So that's that was my mistake. And I do apologize. So um, so
0: (laughs) we will look I will definitely look into that information that you provided. And I appreciate that because I'm actually quite curious about these other projects. But I will say officially on the podcast that we are going to do our first fan recommendation of 2015 as your recommendation (coughs) for D'Angelo's Black Messiah. Not only because you've recommended it, but also because I have heard a lot of good things about it. I know a lot of people who have been really digging that record, and honestly, a solid R&B record would be a nice change because I used to listen to a lot of R&B in high school, and there really hasn't been as much. I feel that has made an impact. So we will
1: take that on in the coming weeks. And thank you for your submission after your insightful comments uh, and 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 appreciative comments about what we do. I'm very excited for the. Uh for the listen itself. I think it's going to be interesting, and I'm going to also look up the, the other uh, pro- side projects of, of Dylan Silvers. I think uh, I, I, I'd be very curious to see what he's, what he's doing now, a decade later, since <laughs> that was kind of a belated album on our part. Um, so now I think this is a great place where actually, Steve, you can continue to tell us
0: uh, things with your mouth. And I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> no,
2: you <he> can still <laughs> keep no, doing no, 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 Yeah, Keep doing yeah, that. Yeah. you doing, doing Keep fine. making the noises. Keep making the noises. The noises. The noises with the, noises, the, noises
1: oh. with the info. The <laughs> um, noises that have the information. Please, Steve, tell us what we're doing next week. Next week would be my pick. I'm gonna go back to an album I discovered in college through uh through my own roommate, Yola Tengo. Uh it's the kind of the kind of band that I think will probably give us some nostalgia back to some recent albums for instance the post rock field definitely immersed in that environment perhaps not to the same uh to the same extent as Sigaros, but in many ways perhaps a little bit more a little bit moodier than Sigaros. um you'll also find i think little snippets of electronica here and there uh to echo today's work but certainly nothing techno oriented uh it'll be a it'll be a smooth relaxing listen i think for our second week of 2015 uh Here's hoping for the best. And you'll attend albums is... called Extra Painful. <laughs> oh well. Maybe I should have glanced at that before. I... <laughs> well, you know, that that means it will be the the very uh introverted, um contemplative, perhaps perhaps ruminating type of relaxing. Staring
2: into one's that's one's that's... soul and peering a down the darkness abyss not relaxing at all please stop
1: all of you all right slowly well let's not soil where this was going pick your listen timing (laughs) yes that's that's the question um
0: so yeah so we will take that on next week and uh i guess this is a great place to say for the first time in 2015 music music is life and and life is
2: good